Touchdown, Los Angeles. You are Locked On Rams, your daily Los Angeles Rams podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Rams Nation. What's happening? What's good? It's your boy Bear Motter of Rams Podcast, but this is Lockdown Rams. Friday edition of Lockdown Rams, and we've got a lot to get to. You can tell it in the voice tone already. There were some big releases today of the Rams, which we are going to discuss. Mr. 30, Mr. TG, Mr. TG Foe Hunted, no longer with the Los Angeles Rams. He was released today. We're going to break it all down. We've got some guests later on the show from the Rams Brothers. We're going to talk to them about what this means, the money it saves. Uh, Next step moving forward, Daryl Henderson, Malcolm Brown stepping into this role. How does this affect the draft and everything like that? Which we are going to be doing our social draft using you guys, the fans, the listeners, uh, to participate. It's going to be on our Twitter. It's going to be on our Facebook. I'm going to put up a poll, give you four guys to select in each one of the Rams picks that they have and let you guys, the listeners, vote on them. Please retweet or share the post. That way we can get other people engaged in it as well. And then we will talk that over on Monday for our Mock Draft Monday. We'll hear what you guys want the Rams to do for the draft. So keep a lookout for that over the weekend, probably on Saturday, maybe Sunday, but look for it out on Saturday. Uh, I think that's when I'm going to plan on trying to do it. So we'll look at how all this affects what the Rams are going to do in the draft. We have lost a lot of players right now. So we are going to see how all this affects the Rams draft, and we'll talk about that on Monday. But for today, got to focus on the main things that are happening. We'll cover all that here today. Don't forget to hit us up on social media, Lockdown Rams, LA underscore Rambling Bear. I'm going to be tweeting out from both those accounts uh, while I do that mock draft on Saturday. Also, don't forget you can find the show on Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Himalaya. Hit the subscribe button. Leave a five-star review. We are getting into this madness. We talked about it last week. This week was going to be full of madness. There's speculation of both Todd Gurley and potentially Brandon Cooks being released or traded. Didn't happen really the way we saw it, but we're going to talk about that here on today's show. So with that said, let's just kick right into it. Rams were up against a 4 p.m. deadline on Thursday on what they were going to do with Todd Gurley. With no trade partner, they felt like a release was their only option. I'm Bear Motter of Lockdown Rams, and this is your lead story. The Rams spent all of Thursday looking for a trade partner for Todd Gurley. It had been in rumors for the last few days that that was the direction they were going to go. We're still curious what they're going to be doing with Brandon Cooks and his contract, but the Rams were up against the clock. They had till 4 p.m. to make a move, whether it was a trade or releasing him, or they were going to have to pay Todd Gurley an extra $10.5 million, which was due on Thursday. Bill Barnwell of ESPN put up a great article kind of breaking down Todd Gurley's contract and what it really meant and what this was his 5.5 million dollar base salary for 2020 and his 5 million dollar roster bonus for 2021 were both fully guaranteed and that's what the Rams were trying to get out of the Rams have been on the hook for that 17.2 million dollar cap hit in 2020 and would have owed him at least that $5 million in 2021. So instead, the Rams will owe $20.2 million dead money on their cap. They will designate the 25-year-old for the post-June 1 release and spread that over two years with $11.8 million in 2020 and $8.4 million next year. Also, NFL's Tom Pelissero says that the Rams can get some of that money back if Gurley signs elsewhere. 
But as it stands now, LA has paid $34.5 million on that extension that Gurley signed back in July in 2018. And the frustrating thing about that is you look at this from the organization standpoint, they never really had to put themselves in this position. Back when they extended Gurley, they had him under contract for one more year with a base salary of just $2.3 million. And if they wanted to use that fifth year option for him, which was available at $9.6 million, they could have done that as well. So they could have done this year by year and just paid Todd Gurley right around $12 million for those two years, bringing us up to this point. And then if they decided not to go further with him, which they now have decided because this isn't also just a money thing. You got to look at the Rams. I truly believe that they think that they can't win with Todd Gurley right now at the running back position, especially taking up all this money. They want to get out as soon as possible. But if they did it the other way, which most teams seem to do, especially at the running back position, they could have let him walk in this offseason with zero dead money. But what do Les Snead and Tony Pastores do, who's the vice president of football and business administration, the guy that controls the money? They end up giving him an extension, paying him $34.5 million for the first two seasons. And as Bill Barnwell points out, just tripling the amount of money that they really needed to pay him. So Todd Gurley is gone, but the effects of him will linger on for a few seasons as the Rams are now a little bit up against the cap. Well, not a little bit. They're a lot of bit up against the cap. And they're going to be taking a hit for a guy that is not even on the team and potentially could be doing it again if they look to move Brandon Cooks. And in another move that went along with this, helping to also try to save some money, the Rams released linebacker Clay Matthews. Clay Matthews ends up saving $3.75 million and really is just, if you're looking at the money, it's really just to help offset some of that girly money. So not a good day for L.A. You're starting running back. Spent five seasons with the Rams. During that time, he was second in the NFL in rushing yards with over 5,400. He was first in touchdowns, 58. Second in the NFL in yards from scrimmage with over 7,400 yards. And scored an NFL best 70 total touchdowns during that time. He's gone. Your fan base seems upset. 2020's opening with a new stadium. And dead money from Todd Gurley will be there but he will not be rocking that 30 jersey and horns. So coming up next, we're going to have the Rams brothers on. We're going to talk about this a little bit further because this is a big piece of what the Rams have been doing. He was a big piece of that Super Bowl run. And we're going to talk to him about what's next. How excited are we about Daryl Henderson? What does this do to our draft plans? We're going to talk about all that stuff more coming up with the Rams brothers on the other side. So obviously we know the big story of the day is Todd Gurley released. Feel a little bit bad for uh, Clay Matthews. He was kind of the second half of this release, but uh, saving about three and a half million dollars, which really in a weird way is probably to kind of cover some of the costs that is with the Todd Gurley dead money. But um, we are now joined by Dean from the Rams brothers. Dean, how you doing, my man? Good, Bear. How are you? I'm, I'm trying to hang in there. I'm trying to hold back some tears. I'm, I'm pretty upset, to be honest, but uh, yeah. I'm hanging in there. I totally feel you. You know, I was just looking at my, I I just in the past, like six months took, I had a Todd Gurley autographed jersey and an Aaron Donald autographed jersey. And I framed them. I put them up on my wall. I've got, you know, my whole studio set up here, feeling really good about it. And now every day I got to walk into my office and look at the Todd Gurley jersey. And so it's going to take a while uh, to get over some of these feelings. But 
it is what it is at this point. Uh, but it's interesting because, you know, we did see, you know, I mean, I guess I'll just kind of pitch it to you and just kind of, you know, it, we, we had some writing on the wall here. But did you think it was really going to come down to this or did you expect at least to get something back in a trade from them? What were your just kind of thoughts when it kind of all played out? I expected, I definitely expected to get something back in return, uh, especially because you saw somebody like David Johnson get traded over to the Texans. So you were hopeful that it was somebody that's obviously more productive than Todd Gurley uh, would be able to come full circle and, and be moved to a team that you know maybe needed a piece like that. Maybe it's it's Miami or you know some other kind of you know poverty franchise that's looking to trade for a player and would give up a couple draft picks, but it's not the way that it all shaked out. So it's, it's kind of gut wrenching just as, as being such a big fan of him as a person and him as a player, uh, I, you know, and, and the only thing you could do is kind of hang your hat on the hope that Daryl Henderson is going to be the next Todd Gurley, right. It's going to be the next guy that wants to carry the ball 20 to 25 times a game. And, um, yeah, you just, you have to be able to move forward and realize that the NFL is a business. And I, I tweeted out a little bit earlier, you, you can't win games in March. So, uh, you know, whatever happens right now, we're going to have to live with for the next six months until everything comes into fruition, if the season is even played on time. So, you know, there's a lot, uh, a lot of emotion out there, but you kind of have to realize you just got to take it day by day and, uh, follow the, the, the push notifications from Rappaport and Schefter and, uh, you know, do everything that you can to, to keep your spirits high. Well, you said a really great point there. Can't win games in March, and and that's very true. And really with this whole, I mean, the bigger picture of this, I'm sitting here in Los Angeles. We just got put on, quote unquote, uh, I think it's called safety at home or safer at home. Uh, we're yeah. on basically a month lockdown right now here in Los Angeles. So, yeah, who knows what the really the NFL season is. But you're right. You're not going to win games right now. And it does leave us all kind of scratching our heads because, again, Todd Gurley was such a big piece for the last five years and really getting us – uh, you know, big part of that Super Bowl run and and really what he's done as far as numbers and touchdowns and just trying to think to replace that gets you a little confused. And then obviously the dead cap money that they were basically OK with walking away. And really, the next question I really want to go to is really uh, talking about Sean McVay, Les Snead and the organization kind of putting us into this spot. They released some statements. So I want to read them to you and get your thoughts on them. Yeah. This is from Sean McVay. I would like to thank Todd for his many contributions to the Rams on and off the field since I have been here. He has meant a lot to my growth as a coach and a leader, and he will always be remembered as one of the great all-time Rams. I wish him nothing but the best. Les Snead chimed in with, we drafted Todd in 2015. We knew he was going to be a one-of-a-kind talent that would create special moments on the field for us. Todd did this by becoming one of the greatest competitors this league. But more than that, he served as a great teammate to his fellow players and ambassadors to our organization. And those traits speak volumes to who he is as a human being. The Rams then put up uh, almost like a tribute video. It was like a three-minute from the moment he was drafted you know, it was we talk about wiping away tears. That video got me. But then I was like, hey, wait a minute. Like, you know, Todd Gurley's not dead. You know, you guys cut him. <laughs> like, th they kind of set this all up, but then try to take the high road. What's your thoughts on the organization, the way that they handled this? And then kind of, I just want to see a little bit more ownership and maybe a little bit more understanding on how it got here. Well, they've done it a lot at this point. It seems like they're they're willing to pay guys, uh, you know, whether it's it's Gurley, it's Goff, um, you know, even going back to like Alec Ogletree and Tavon Austin, and then just want to rip the rug out from underneath of them. Um, and I think that that's an issue with Tony Pastors, just maybe getting excited. And, uh, you know, I think it's probably a combination of things. But I mean, it's it's just kind of upsetting because, you know, you, you, you let somebody like Aaron Donald hold out for as long as he did. And then you have other players like 
like Gurley and Goff who get paid almost before they should. Um, so it's it's a really hard thing to understand why that that's happening. And I don't know if that's a combination of Demoff and and Tony Passers, you know, maybe just getting a little bit too excited. And obviously the, the personality of Kevin Demoff is, is starting to reveal itself a little bit over Twitter. So, I mean, you don't know. And you, you have to point your fingers at the organization at the highest level of the organization, too, because you know, these are a lot of core players that you want to be able to move forward with. And I think it was uh, maybe li- like later last year or earlier last year where. Les Snead talked about Aaron Donald and Todd Gurley, and he mentioned how, you know, this is Los Angeles and the, the, the cap is going to be top heavy because they want to be able to reward players who become pillars of their organization. And that's really what Gurley and Donald and Goff and Ramsey have really became. Um, but it was a little bit funny. And, and my brother actually mentioned this on the podcast that we did today was I think it was later last year when they did some of the promos for SoFi, Todd Gurley was left out. So there were things in the tea leaves that were starting to kind of tell us that this may happen, but you know, it doesn't, it's hard. It's just, it's, it's hard to really kind of understand why. And, and so, especially with the new CBA, how it's not running back friendly whatsoever. And, and right. the running back market is completely devalued at this point. So, I mean, it's, it's a lot to take into consideration and you just feel a little bit frustrated for him as a person and for him as a player and for all the fans. Yeah, I'm, gr- I'm glad you brought up Tony Pastors, too, because Les Need's going to take the brunt of this because he's kind of the face forward guy of that organization. Uh, but it is shocking that you got to assume that it's not just Tony doing all the financials, that these guys got to have some words in as far as, you know, how they like to handle this. You talked about, uh, I believe, even Les Need back in, you know, uh, early 2019, talking about wanting to reward those players for what they did and and being pillars for a long time. And then here we are, you know, just, you know, six months later, and now we're walking away from people and it's, it's a little frustrating. And and you mentioned about some of the other contracts that they've gotten into. And our buddy Sosa put up a great tweet today uh, that basically said, don't let the Rams front offense get off the hook because of Gurley's knee. That's a pure cop out. They paid him early and canned him. They paid Tavon Austin early and canned him. They paid Alec Ogletree early and Candom three months after that. This is a trend. This is not an outlier. And I thought that was great because it, it is. As you're looking at it, then you can even look at Brandon Cooks. I mean, we traded away a first-round pick. We paid the man, gave him this big extension, and now he's on the market as well. So this has kind of been the name of the game for the Rams is living in this kind of wild world of going after the big, uh, big guy, but then giving big money and then backing out early. We're kind of right next to that as far as that's what's going to happen with Jalen Ramsey which was funny. I saw him react to this, the trade, uh, the release of Todd Gurley with just kind of a big wow. Uh, and then a lot of the mentions after that were like, hey, hey, dude, you know, this is kind of to free up money probably for you to get extended, which it's it's kind of an interesting game. And the one thing I will say is Todd took this like a champ and the only way that we probably expected him to uh, kind of did a funny Friday quote of how do you get fired on your day off? Um, <laughs> hashtag quarantine and chill. And I think Deion Sanders kind of came out and was kind of angry about, you know, kind of saying like, this is how they treat you. And then he retweeted and said, it's just a business. So he understands it. So thankfully, you know, that Todd gets it and and actually is going to take the high road on this, but still a lot of scratching the head left to do and trying to figure out how to pick the pieces and move on. And that's where I want to go next. So we'll take a quick break. We're going to come back. We're going to talk more with Dean from the Rams brothers. We're going to talk about what is next. What does this running back room look like? What does this do for the draft and really picking up those pieces and moving forward?
So with Todd Gurley now completely out of the fold, we understand it opens up the backfield for a lot more carries, right? We complained last year that Todd Gurley wasn't getting enough, but now all those carries, roughly around 250, which he's averaged over the past handful of years, will be gone. And now that likely goes to guys like uh, Malcolm Brown and Daryl Henderson is probably the guy that most people are looking to as far as the explosiveness. Is this enough? Do the Rams need to try and go get a veteran type of guy? Do you look in the draft for that type of guy? Or are you excited about these two other guys getting their opportunity to come in and get a little bit more opportunity to carry the rock? Uh, well, I'm personally excited for Daryl Henderson. I, I don't know if they're going to go ahead. I doubt they're going to go ahead and get somebody in free agency uh, unless it's a it's a cheap veteran. It's maybe somebody like C.J. Anderson who can carry the load a little bit um, and that could, you know, kind of mentor Daryl Henderson a little bit more differently than than Malcolm Brown can. But no, I, I feel like this is, is Henderson's chance to shine. Uh, I don't know if he's the same kind of person, doesn't have the same kind of personality as Todd Gurley. I don't know if he is... Uh, you know, that's that same kind of Los Angeles vibe where, you know, you're you're calm, cool, collected and can, you know, give the media a little bit of attitude back. I think Henderson might be a little bit more of a professional, probably closer to Malcolm Brown, uh, where it's just, you know, all business. And, you know, you're not going to mess around when the cameras are in your face and when people are recording you. So, um, you know, I think it was I honestly think it was Rich Hammond's last podcast. Maybe it was a couple before uh, the 11 personnel where they interviewed Gurley at a Call of Duty event. So, yeah. like he was, you know, he's relaxed, you know, he's doing his thing in the offseason, he's traveling around. Um, so, you know, you look at those things and then you look back to Henderson. And to be honest, we really don't know him yet. So, just hopeful that he kind of becomes the player on the field that, you know, that flashed in that San Francisco game before he fumbled uh, when the second half started. He was jumping around and he's making some solid plays and looks like he could be a bell cow. And then obviously, Malcolm Brown, you mix him and everybody, uh, uh, Todd Gurley will be the first person to tell you that Malcolm Brown's a good running back. So, um, yeah, I'm excited to see what they do. I just don't think that they're going to go out in free agency and go get another back. I think that they're going to look for somebody in the draft. Yeah, I mean, I just, I mean, I think the really the key point of that is they just don't have a lot of money. And uh, maybe there's a guy that wants to come and be a part of it and sees that door open a little bit. Um, and it really it's curious where Todd Gurley's going to go. They've got an opening uh, in Atlanta. D- Devontae Freeman is gone. And it's funny, really quick, I'm thinking, oh, man, Devontae Freeman. Well, we don't have any money. We can't go and call Devontae Freeman. But that would be an interesting one. I know him and Aaron Donald have a nice little relationship that maybe they need to mend out first. But if you're thinking <laughs> back to that Atlanta game when he picked him yeah. up like the Hulk. But, um, you know, there's there's a few other landing spots for Todd Gurley. They've talked, obviously, the Bucks uh, were one for him. But filling in a veteran coming this way, I just don't see it. But there's a guy like Zach Moss in the draft coming out of Utah. Uh, He kind of almost has a little bit of Daryl Henderson in him, so I don't know if that would be a great pick. Or do the Rams continue to try to, you know, maybe they look to move Brandon Cooks and get another pick here, and they look to go get a guy like Jonathan Taylor out of Wisconsin. You're going to have to spend, you know, a little bit earlier of a pick than you usually would. The other guy out of Georgia is DeAndre Swift. He's usually kind of being plugged in that late first round, early second round. But if the Rams need to go and get a guy – Uh, It would be kind of interesting to see a Georgia running back leave and then another one come in. So uh, that should be interesting. What are your thoughts on on the Brandon Cook stuff and, um, you know, rebuilding this roster almost kind of, you know, on the defense side, we've seen a lot of those guys go. But now all of a sudden our offense is starting to fall apart. Mm -hmm. Um, And and I don't want to say fall apart because we haven't seen it yet. As you mentioned, we're still in offseason right now. Uh, but do you think we have the flexibility with this to get out of Brandon Cooks? Do you think it's kind of just time? If we're going this far down the road and trying to save some money, is it time to let Brandon Cooks walk as well or look for a trade partner? 
Well, I, I think people are going to hate me for this if they don't already. Um, but I'm I'm one to get rid of Brandon Cooks. I, I want to get rid of rid of him as soon as I possibly can, just because I don't know what's going to happen. And I know that this isn't a good thing to say from you know a personal perspective, but you know you don't know what's going to happen with his injury history moving forward. And I think it, that you, you know you're losing a million dollars if you go ahead and trade him right now. But if you, it looks like if you according to over the cap or spot track. Um, if, you know, if you are willing to release him or trade him after that, that June 1st date, I think there's an $8 million savings and a $12 million savings in there. Um, so I don't know if that's going to be something that happens a little bit further into the season. Um, and I've actually gone back and forth with, with Jake on this a couple times on Twitter, who I, who I love and who I think is one of the smartest Rams fans I've ever met. Um, and he wants to keep Brandon Cooks because he makes a lot of great, he makes a lot of great points that he's a thousand yard receiver when he's healthy, like without even a hesitation. Like he, he could do that in his sleep. Um, it just, he, he does a couple of things that are strange. Like in the Super Bowl, uh, you know, how, how McCourty is able to get his hand in there on that, on that route where he's running down the sideline, look like golf kind of dropped it into the bread basket there. Yep. He gets one of his hands pulled back and he doesn't make the catch. You know, maybe somebody bigger can go up and get that ball. Uh, and then in the Super Bowl previously too, where, uh, you know, he was playing for the Patriots and he, he took a really weird route after he caught the ball, came back and got popped by Malcolm Jenkins. So there's there's some things with him that just aren't, he, you know, he doesn't, he's not that number one without a doubt receiver where I'm just like, right. I can throw him up the ball, he'll go and get it. He's not Julio Jones, right? He's not DeAndre Hopkins. Um, so I think he's a replaceable receiver and I think that they should spend a draft pick looking for somebody just because it's such a deep receiver class. If you can go out and get somebody that's big and has the size and can run down the field, you know, maybe similar to, to Josh Reynolds, but you know, has more of that instinct to go up and get the ball. Uh, I, I would, I would invest in it. Well, that's the frustrating thing too, as you kind of are kind of laying out a few other players that you mentioned there and, and to watch David Johnson uh, be traded for DeAndre Hopkins. And, and yes, I think his contract is a little bit more movable and is not as, you know, giant as Todd Gurley's, but they're both kind of on that edge of, of, you know, top five paid wide receiver running backs. And it was a little frustrating to see the Rams not be able to get anything, not be able to kind of take advantage of, you know, what everyone is kind of calling around the the league, a dumb Bill O'Brien, and to maybe try to get into that deal first. And now here we are having to cut them. And now with, as you talked about, you know, Brandon Cooks not being that elite level, that might have been an opportunity to go get that number one wide receiver. Then you could then look to trade Brandon Cooks. Those are all coulda, woulda, shoulda at this point. But I'm with you. I think for Cooks, my thing is, and you mentioned it, is the injury stuff. Like when healthy, like Jake says, he's awesome. But when not healthy, he can't help us. He had, I think, just over 500 yards last year because of the injuries, and he could be one concussion away from stepping away from the game completely. So it is a little frustrating and and worrisome when you look at him still around, you know, part of the roster. But when you look from top to bottom, what the Rams have really gone through over the past three days, we'll start with Todd Gurley, but they also lost linebacker Dante Fowler, Michael Brockers, Corey Littleton, Clay Matthews, Nikel Roby Coleman, Eric Weddle in retirement, and then obviously uh, Wade Phillips and Bones uh, were let go or separated or however you want to put it. But that's a lot from that Super Bowl core. And, you know, when you look at this as a whole, you know, I know we still kind of have some confidence in some of the players we have here, McVay and some of his offensive, you know, scheme and then bring in a new offense coordinator to work with them. But how far of a drop-off could you potentially see for the Rams? Or do you see, still see them on that fringe, you know, just over 500 looking for, 
you know, now that seventh playoff spot with the new CBA. What, what's your take on where this Rams team is and evaluating where they could be? I know we still have a lot of moves potentially happen, but uh, just just looking at what we lost, how, how what are your thoughts? Well, now more than ever, I want to be optimistic, right? I mean, that's naturally you as a, in a, as a fan, you want to be as optimistic as possible, and you you try to make things like you know a Leonard Floyd signing and an and an Ashawn Robinson signing, like you know that's going to be the the pieces to be able to stop the run, and you know they're going to be much improved on defense, and the cornerbacks are going to be locked down, and you know the the off, opposing offense is going to have a really hard time moving the ball. You know, if that's the case, and they're resembling Vic Fangio's scheme and Brandon Staley's comfortable with the personnel that he's got. Then you know if, if they're going to be a defensive team, I'm okay with that identity. Um, and I still think, for the most part, on the offense, they're they're really kind of bringing back the same regime. I mean, it's all going to be still still Sean McVay run with Kevin O'Connell in his year too. So a little bit more brain power in the room, and uh, you know, making sure that they have you know they're able to adjust mid game, and they they're bringing some some new concepts to the to the table, and you know everything's kind of changing up there, uh, making sure that they stay fresh. But you know, aside from losing Todd Gurley, the offense is going to look very much the same. I mean, you got a lot of really good depth uh, on the offensive line. You talk about David Edwards and Bobby Evans. Havenstein's going to come back healthy, and Blythe just signed a contract, and obviously Whitworth. Um, and who knows who's going to come in and play that left guard spot if it's going to be Noteboom or it's going to be Corbett. And sometimes I kind of even write off Corbett. But uh, for the most part, the offense looks exactly the same, uh, aside from Todd Gurley. And you know, maybe they're thinking in that San Francisco game if – uh, I think it was the first one that they played. I'm not sure what week it was. Maybe it was week five or six or seven, one of those, um, where Henderson and Malcolm Brown were kind of sharing the load. They were moving the ball well, and then you know they had control of that game, and then the half started, and Henderson fumbled, and the the whole you know they pulled the rug yeah. out from underneath of them. So like it, it feels like they're they were in so many games last year, and they're a couple of field goals away from you know being 11 and five or being 12 and four. So um, you know maybe they just feel like, and obviously the year prior. When Todd Gurley goes down, you got C.J. Anderson running through people. Um, there's there's a lot that's already there uh, that I think that they're going to be able to manage, especially internally on the defense end too. When you talk about inside linebackers and and a couple edge rushers, obviously bringing in Floyd and and Ashawn Robinson, as I mentioned. So I think there's a there's going to be a decent amount of 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 power there, and, and you know internally they'll be able to fill some of those voids, but. Uh, you you got to worry about what's going on in the locker room, and that's kind of the most concerning part. Is you know what what's the mentality within the locker room, and who are who's going to step up? Is it going to be Ramsey and Donald, uh, or is there going to be a couple other players? Because you're missing Brockers and you're missing Littleton, so you know there's there's a concern there. But you know I'm excited to see how it all kind of comes together. For the most part, I feel like they're they're going to be on the edge of 500 just because of how the division is. But you know who knows? I thought they were going to be 13 and three last year, and they end up nine and seven. So. Um, it's just how it is sometimes. I know. I like that. And you're right. The offense pretty similar to what it's going to be. Obviously a few key pieces with Gurley and potentially Brandon cooks, but I still feel like Les needs got a couple things up his sleeve that, you know, I he's, riding, he's riding this pretty confident. I think it was his wife that tweeted a, a picture of him the other day, like just chilling with a cigar and just looked as comfortable as possible. Uh, while we're all over here kind of going like, what's going on? Why aren't they doing anything or why are they doing this? Um, but the biggest thing for me is going to be that defense uh, and in that middle linebacker spot. Yeah, you brought on Leonard Floyd, and hopefully you can see him kind of get back to what everyone was excited about him when he came out the draft. Micah Kaiser, you're just hoping he can stay healthy, and and what can he be? Because we're going to need him in there in that middle linebacker position, really our linebackers as whole. I mean, we feel good about the cornerbacks and Aaron Donald, and I love the addition on the D front as well with Ashawn Robinson. So 
there are some good things. There's some ugly things right now, but the Rams are really just trying to hit the reset button on the financials. The scary thing is, are they going to turn around and just do the same thing and looking at that cornerback position with Ramsey? Obviously, we know Ramsey's a good player, but uh, are they going to put themselves in a position where all of a sudden the last three years of his contract, they're trying to get out of it? So there are those questions still remaining about the organization and what we can trust, but we got a brand new stadium. Uh, the Rams are going to show us some new colors and a, and a logo here soon, so there's still things to get excited about. And like you said at the beginning, I think in the in the second segment when we talked to you was, uh, let's just hope we got some football when this all thing kind of comes around because there's some weird times going on. But the NFL has been great distraction for all that, and the Rams definitely uh, weren't boring today. I know they were boring on the first couple of days of free agency, but the last few days they have been active. So look for them to keep doing that. Uh, always appreciate you coming on, Dean. You guys can go find them at the Rams Brothers on Twitter. And uh, keep an eye out this weekend. I'm actually, maybe I'll tag you in it. I'm going to do a, for our Mock Draft Monday show, I'm going to put up a uh, social mock draft where I'm going to have four options, kind of a poll, and we'll select four players. We're just going to have uh, Rams Twitter and Rams Facebook select the players, and we're going to see what everyone out there wants to select. So keep an eye out for that as well. But you can go check them out at the Rams Brothers. Uh, they just recorded a podcast. Is it up already? Or are you already up and flying? And, and can they go listen to it right now? They can listen to it right now. Yeah, we uh, as soon as the news broke, we were actually recording the episode, my dad and I. As the news broke, uh, we got the tweet from Schefter, and then my brother called, uh, who's who's in Los Angeles right now, and he's living there now. So it all happened in real time, and the last 20 minutes or so of the episode is all of us reacting to the news uh, in real time. So oh, we're, all I love it. we're all pretty upset, but yeah, it was it was a lot of fun, and it you know it kept our, our spirits up a little bit, knowing that we were all in it together, so... That's yeah. awesome. The real-time info. I remember when me and James Kroger were uh, covering the Aaron Donald contract, and we were sitting there like, well, let's just start recording, and it happened. And and the the natural reaction and, and the emotion that comes from that is a lot of fun when you get some live news on a podcast. So uh, go check it out at the Rams Brothers. You can find them on Twitter. Uh, appreciate it, my man. We look forward to talking to you again. Of course. Thanks, Bear. Thanks for having me on, buddy. You got it anytime. With that said, you know what it is. Until next time, peace.